All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just after three o'clock on a busy Thursday afternoon. How are you? It's a Gregor show. Sports 1440. Live. Orders Nation YouTube online. Sports 1440.ca. And it's, uh, it's a great day. Love it. Hope uh, you're excited for the uh, game tonight. Uh, nine games in the uh, national. Uh, no, sorry, eleven. No, nine in the uh, in the NHL tonight as they uh, continue to go with uh, what has been a pretty consistent, uh, heavy Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule uh, this season in the NHL. So seems to be uh, well, they're like it. Uh, they have a few of the national games on uh, Wednesday, but yeah, it's eleven games tonight, and then there'll be twelve on Saturday, including the Oilers in Calgary take on the flames uh thanks to uh greg and jordan for their uh, great bids are going to the game tonight they made their donations uh to the uh robin brownlee uh gofundme campaign which is uh awesome so uh thank you very much uh we're getting uh, every day we get uh well, every hour really every minute we get a little bit closer you can go to sports 1440.ca and uh, you can make your uh, donation right on the front page it's very easy to find it's uh super super simple now um let's uh let's talk a little bit uh more about the uh, uh, the NHL as we get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies, safely taking your group to their next destination. Book your ride today at silentrides.ca. Uh, Ken Bulky joins us from Sinbin in Vegas. And Ken, uh, the Golden Knights were on an, an unbelievable start. Uh, and now they've, uh, for the last two months, uh, injuries have played a factor. But, uh, you know, they've been a sub-500 team. What? How much of it is injuries? How much is it them just not playing well? It's it's a bit of both. I would say maybe 70-30 leaning towards injuries. Definitely they're mattering more than how they've been playing, and obviously the one impacts the other. But they've definitely not been playing great. But, you know, you miss 
your starting goalie, your best defenseman, and your best forward, it's going to hurt. So, Aiden Hill, what's the when's he coming back? Well, he was at the morning skate today. Okay. He's not he's not going to back up today. They have two back to backs on the road coming up. They go to this uh, New York swing where they play the three New York teams, then they play Detroit, and the schedule makers decided ah play them both as back to backs and have three days in between. So they've got that going, uh, which I have to assume that's what they're kind of shooting for is to give him. Uh, one of each of those in the back-to-back. They have two games before that. I don't think he'll play tonight or Saturday. And uh, what about uh, Jack Eichel? Uh, I know they, they, he had the surgery. And what, like when they say weeks, what, what's your? Are we talking like two weeks? Are we talking ten weeks? What are we thinking on weeks for Jack Eichel? In between there, the the information that I've been given is it's it should be somewhere in the four to six. Okay. There was a procedure on his knee, from what I understand, um, and. That it, it's not it's not like the end of the world procedure. Okay. It's one of the easier ones from what I understand, from what I gather. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be that bad. And then yesterday, uh, Cassidy was kind of asked, "Are you going to have him back this year?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, of course." Okay. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be too too bad. Tr. Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties. So <laughs> looking at. Um... At, at their lineup, when they're healthy, obviously I think Vegas is, is, is a really good team. There's, there's no question about it. But um, when, when you when you break down kind of maybe what they would look for, like they made some acquisitions that turned out huge. Barbashev was a huge acquisition for them uh, last year at the deadline, played very well. Do you see a position that they feel, even when they're healthy, they need to upgrade between now and March 8th? I think the best thing that they can do, assuming they're healthy, obviously that changes if they're not. Right now, they could use a top six scorer. They could use another center. Like That's a different story. But if they can get back to being healthy, I think it's a penalty killer. I, I think they could use someone who could use both, help both special teams, but really somebody who they could send over the boards first when they're penalty killing. When you look at their top four penalty killers, it's their best four forwards. It's Eichel, Carlson, Stevenson, Stone. Those are the four that go over. So when you have that, it kind of puts extra pressure on you. And then the biggest part to that, to me, is the second the penalty is actually killed, now you put out a line of what you would usually put some of your best offensive players. They don't really have that. It's basically Marcheseau and whoever else can go at that point. So if they can go find a penalty killer who can play on a third-line role, maybe can be a center or a wing, and then can potentially help out power play two, I think that can really be a a helpful fit and and can make them a lot better. But they have to get back to healthy before we even start thinking about that because if not, you don't need another penalty killer. You just need someone to help you win. Yeah, and uh, Shea Theodore, like that – that might have been the biggest loss. As good as Aiden hit, like Shea Theodore, it seemed when he went down, things really started to unravel for the Golden Knights. Yeah, kind of the same thing happened a bit last year where, where it, it, it's, you start to see the breakouts just kind of not be as consistent. And he's kind of that one-man breakout where he can skate it all the way out himself. He can join the rush. He kind of gets the puck moving, and you don't tend to spend as much time in your own end because he's getting back onto the puck so quickly without him. You know, they, they've put in some guys. They've had some success. Korzak's been pretty solid, and he's, he's kind of fitting in as a, as a rookie this year. But, yeah, without him, you, you certainly miss something on power play one. You certainly miss something when you have extended zone time. You definitely lose something in your transition game and then breaking out, and you're seeing all of that's kind of added in together. But 
over time, they should be able to overcome a lot of that, and they, and they just really haven't to this point. Uh, Ken, you, you mentioned Shea Theodore. Like, I was looking when his last game, because he finished the game. He played like 24 minutes, and uh, we haven't seen him. It's basically two months now, because he got injured on November 22nd. Yeah. That was his last game. It's now January 18th. What happened to him, and do, do you have a, a date? Because, you know, you gave us pretty good um, notes on uh, Hill and, and, and Eichel. What's the, the prognosis for Theodore? Yeah, it's not as clear on him. Okay. I don't have the exact injury on what happened there. Uh, they did announce a surgery, so there was something going on there. And then th- there was a jersey in his locker today, which is usually a good sign that they're skating. That hasn't been the case. The first time I've seen that, and I'm in there pretty much every day they're at home. Okay. So that is certainly a good sign. Uh, the last that I was kind of told was that they were – looking and hoping that it was going to be well before the deadline, but they weren't 100% sure that it was going to be that case, and then they'd have to reevaluate once they get there based on the jersey being there today and kind of there's a bit of optimism from the people I've talked to. It seems like their hope is in the next three weeks or so. All right. You really never know when you when guys are out that long, they get back on the ice and then you're not fully sure if they're going to be okay to go. And this team has had a uh, not great history of sending guys back out there and having them go right back out. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, Jonathan Marcheseau is a UFA at the end of the season. He's 33 years of age. What do you first see happening? Is you know what he means a lot to that team. They've obviously won. He's he's been there, one of the original guys. But you know they did get rid of Riley this past summer. What, what do you think happens long term with Marsha So in Vegas? I think it's a tough one because they're going to be up against the cap as they always tend to be. But there's enough free agents and there's enough coming up in the next couple of years that they have the space to do it. If if he is the number one priority they have the space to do it. The problem is when guys have gotten to that age and specifically at that position, which is not being a center, they definitely prioritize centers more. Uh, We have seen them find ways to move on from these guys, James Neal, David Perron. Those are two, you know, Max Pacioretty, you know, they, you mentioned Riley Smith. They could potentially look that way. I, I just feel like when, when push comes to shove here, he may go searching for other deals and other offers, and I just don't expect anything to absolutely blow him away long-term or high enough dollar that he's going to be end, end up you know, walking here. I think they'll give him something competitive. I do think, though, when we get there, that deal's going to come out and everyone's going to be like, well, that's a pretty good price for Jonathan Marcheseau so, because I really just don't think he wants to go anywhere. The guy has four kids, and they're out on the ice in Vegas every single day. Okay. Like, he does not want to pick up and leave, but okay. he will if he has to. Right. Uh, also, Alex Martinez and uh, Chandler Stevenson are UFA and William Carrier. And I, I think Carrier is a guy, you know, he's making 1.4. Uh, I could just see because of what he did in the postseason and the style he plays, uh, he's a guy that other teams might really want to pay a lot for, right? And, and he looks and says, hey, yeah. I'm 30. I want to cash in. So I totally understand it. But yeah. Martinez and Stevenson and Marcia, so like, I don't, I don't know if they have room for all of them. So is it like, is best case scenario two of the three? And do you have any idea on, on who, you know, would be more likely to come back between Martinez and Stevenson? I would say Martinez is probably the least likely of them. I just think we're getting to the point in his career where he's got the three cups. He could potentially go elsewhere. I think he can potentially get one more halfway decent deal, and I'm not sure the Golden Knights are in the place to do it. They have a couple of other defensemen coming up. 
Uh, he's, his minute load has diminished a little bit, obviously now with some of the injuries it's going back up. But when they were healthy or healthier, he was getting down to close to 15, 16 minutes where he's always kind of been closer to a 19 or 20 minute guy. So it wouldn't shock me. Plus, you know, he's $5 million. They could potentially look at the deadline even to move him. That wouldn't be the most stunning move that they've ever made. If they decide we've got a big fish that we can go get and they need that extra cap space, for the last couple of months of him, they could potentially go that way. I think Stevenson, they will continue to prioritize. They like centers. They like how he fits with Stone, uh, power play guy, penalty kill guy, plays in late game situations. I think that they will find a way to continue to keep him around, but that's going to be a pretty significant raise. And I think that's kind of what's going to determine everything else. If that number comes in at seven, then maybe you're sacrificing two of those guys. If it comes in closer to four and a half, five, then maybe you get to keep Carrier as well. Carrier to me is like, is somebody going to throw the bag at him or not? If somebody goes yeah. nuts, then he's probably out of here. If they don't, he'll stick around. Ken, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for this. Oh, I guess I yeah, forgot one guy. Me. What about William Carlson? Pretty big player. What's uh, what's his status? Yeah, that one was a broken bone in his foot. I guess he took a shot uh, in the Winter Classic. I think it was a shot from his own guy. That one's not too bad. I don't think he plays before the break, but I think he plays, if not immediately after, right pretty close to that. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much, Ken. Appreciate the rundown. See you. There you go, uh, Ken Bullock. Really good update. Uh, so Aiden Hill looks like uh, on the road trip. Jack Eichel. Four to six weeks, which means uh, Oilers will not see him when the Oilers face off against uh, Vegas on the uh, sixth. You might see William Carlson if they think he's going to be back. Uh, Shea, we- uh, Shea Theodore won't be there on the uh, sixth, which could be potentially. If you just, I'm just based on simple numbers. If the Oilers win the remaining five games, not saying they will, but I'm saying if, then the Vegas game could be a record tying night for the Empton Oilers. Because the NHL record for most consecutive wins is 17. Now the Oilers have a long way to go. They got to beat Seattle tonight. Then they got to beat Calgary. Then they got to beat Columbus. Then they got to beat Chicago. Then they got to beat Nashville. But there's a chance. Because if they hadn't won 11 in a row, then you can't win 16 in a row. So there you go. But could you imagine if it comes down to in Vegas, first game out of the break, where you could tie the NHL record? Got to be a great buildup. It'd be fun. You don't see it very often, that's all. So uh, we'll see what happens. See what happens. Uh, When we come back, uh, Ryan's Rant. Next on The Gregor Show on Sports 1440, Live Orders Nation YouTube presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 323, welcome back. Game day on Sports 1440. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you alongside uh, Terry Ryan. As always, Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca where you can uh, get in the game. Use the promo code sports. 50. If you've never tried to get a free $50 bet, playalberta.ca. And it is time now for Ryan's rant. What will he be ranting on? I have no idea. It's always a surprise for me, just like it is for you. It's coming up now, brought to you by Action Electrical, where uh, you can take action on your savings, but there's a limit on it. Now, of course, for, for the last uh, few years, the uh, the government of Canada had uh, grants uh, to uh, $5,600 if you're looking for uh, solar on your home or even on your uh, uh, your commercial place, but that ends in March. So if you've been debating, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, well, now's time to do it. Go to actionelectrical.net, and they can uh, help walk you through to get all the savings, and uh, then you'll save even more when you get solar. It's time now for Ryan's rant. Here's Terry Ryan. Thank you, Jason. So <clears throat> I don't usually 
I, I like the rants to happen organically in between shows, so I don't really have them planned a lot. Something, well, I mean, if something happens on Tuesday, I will. But you know what I mean? I don't sit there and go, okay, here's five topics. Usually I try to try to have it happen organically. So people <clears throat> people saw me play the game. A few stories happened in the room, and I was telling the boys this story, okay? So in 19, uh, would have been 93, I suppose, um, I was doing a, it's funny, sorry, that, so the referee in the game, one of the officials was, I can't remember his first name, his, his last name is O'Rourke. That's on me, I because I'm going to keep in touch with him, and I spoke to him after the game. And his father, Dan, played in Tri-Cities. Right before I got there, I was 15, and he was there, and I was at camp with him. And his brother, Steve, played with me. Uh, and Dan now is an official in the NHL. So I was with Steve in Penticton. I just had Darren McCarty on my podcast last week, and we talked about going there to work on our skating. We went there with uh, Laura Stam was her name. She was a power skating instructor. She was real good. So I spent the summer, two years in a row, teaching at the Penticton Hockey School. And uh, McCarty was there. That's where I met him. He was 21. I was 15. And Steve O'Rourke, and Steve was a vet in Tri-Cities. And he was a real nice, positive influence. So Tri-Cities liked, liked that I was there with Steve. So this would have been... I don't know, maybe it had to be around the end of July or beginning of August because Tri-City boat races were going on. And the boat races in Tri-Cities uh, are like, you know, like city days. Like it's, you know, everybody, most cities, towns have, have a festival during the summer of some sort. So that's kind of what it was. So all the boys love to go down. So we were going to go down and check it out uh, and, and meet a bunch of guys there. And I really wanted to because I'd played, I think, a couple of games, two or three games as a 15-year-old. Uh and, you know, I really liked – they were showing me a bit of love, and I like to get to know the guys. And I figured if I went down to boat races, camp would probably be a little less nerve-wracking, nerve, nerve racking, you know. And, and I'd get them – you know, some of the guys were there that I really liked. We're, we're good friends at this point. Not good, but they were friends. So Steve and I were going to leave to go down. And the boys were driving from Edmonton, right? So they were going, I think it's like 14 or 16 hours. I did it with Trevor Sherbin one there, one year, who's from uh, Edmonton. So we were going to meet them along the way somewhere and then go down with them. But uh, we got a call right before we left that uh, there was an accident. And and uh, Todd Klassen had died. He was our captain. And he, uh, I don't want to explain what happened because it's – that's just, you know, the car, the car, there was a, there was a car accident and the boys were carpooling down. So there was a lot of them. This was something that to say devastating wouldn't do it justice. And the thing is, when I went down there, Todd was the captain, Pittsburgh prospect, third round pick. What a guy. He for sure. I talked to Pierre Maguire yesterday in his podcast. He's like, he was definitely going to the show, you know, because since he got drafted, he really improved. He was our captain. Like he was Mr. Everything. And I went down at 15 and he really like took me under his wing. I, I, I mean, I don't know if they told him that or it must have been obvious. I go for a third overall in the Bantam draft immediately. I'm practicing with them all the time. Right. You could do that. And I would stay with him. And we went to Seattle once and I didn't play, but I, I stayed with him. And I'm sure looking back, I mean, you know, he was humoring me the whole time, but he was real, real nice. So it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, man. We raised his banner before game one of the year. And as they played his like vocals in the background, like before games, his interviews and stuff. And this thing was being raised. The whole rent was crying. It was crushing. So 
it was funny and I no funny. It was ironic that Dean Tilchin had come back. Dean Tilchin had played in Tri City and got traded for me. Tri Cities traded Red Deer the rights to that third pick to make, and they traded Tilchin from Tri City. who had a decent year. He went to Red Deer and had fifty. Yeah. So like, there was a lot of pressure on me coming in, and then Tilly gets traded back to us, and he's playing the first ten games of the year with me and Lankow. Right, maybe fifteen. And then we traded him. But anyway, in those 10 or 15 games, Dean Tilchin started a memorial fund. And it oh. was for it was for Todd, and it was for – he was his real good friend. And it was, um, you know, whatever, however much money was raised would go to a kid at the local school, Kamaikin, where Todd graduated, graduated from, where I was going that year, uh, to not a, not a player but a student that exemplified the, his quali- qualities. You know? Nice. And – it was like almost an athletic scholarship for the school that, that had nothing. Tri-City American couldn't win it, um, which was real nice because Todd liked that. He li- he liked his separate life at Kamaikin, and he was proud to be a Kamaikin Brave, and I remember him talking about that. Uh, and he really thought those two communities were great that he was living in. So Tilly gets traded. Now there's nobody left to – like, okay, sorry – until he gets traded for every goal he scored, that happened. Now, once he gets traded, and sorry, the whole 16-year-old he's, he's, year he's there, and I get 16 goals as a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. So then when Tilly gets traded, I took it over because Todd meant a lot to me. It was either going to be me or Ryan Marsh, and Ryan is a real good friend. Oh, you know Ryan? Yeah. Ryan was defense. And even though I'd only had 16 the year before, I started the year with I don't know how many, say I had eight or nine, and I ended up, I just talked about 50 goals earlier. That was that year. So I don't know if locals realized I was going to get as many. And, you know, so they all, until he left, they added to the fund, right? The year before I had 16. So I ended up getting 50 goals, raise a, raise a ton of money for the Todd Clausen Memorial Fund, okay? And which went on. I hope it's still going on to this day. I'm not sure. I know it went on a while because I paid attention. Now, Todd War number 14. So people are asking me why I wore number 14. The guys on the t- in the locker room were a lot of people watching the game were and they were like wicked that you know cuz you wore that in Montreal. I've worn that whenever I can since in ball hockey. I was number 20 my whole life until then. Now I if if 14's gone I don't want to I'll take it but most of the time I'm number 14. So when I saw that in the dressing room it wasn't symbolic of my Montreal days. Okay. The first thing I thought was Todd. And every anthem, every anthem, when I closed my eyes, and I can't believe they got it. I didn't even see the camera there. But if you see, I think I might have posted it, but there's a few videos and I'm talking. Because before every single game, I would close my eyes and I would say, okay, Todd, which ended up being BJ, Jonathan DeLille, Bird Dog, Todd Gillingham. Because they're my, my Mike Collins. I would say my buddies that have all passed. And so I say their names before the game as if I'm, I'm having a conversation with them. And they caught that on camera. And no one's ever caught that on camera. So the 14, it's wicked that I wore it in Montreal, but the reason is because of Todd Klassen. So that's what I was thinking, and that's why I wear number 14. And uh, you got the uh, the 14 jersey uh, behind you on the wall, I see, uh, right there. So, well, that's, yeah, well, I, I can't imagine... The playing, and you were, you know, 16, 17 when they raised his banner in the rink and you know at that age you know like 
you know, we're not, we're not emotionally, we're still not that emotionally mature yet. And you, you don't really know, you know, you're playing hockey then, every, oh, you're supposed to be all tough and you're looking around and all your teammates are crying. Like, like just playing yeah. that game must have been brutal. Brutal. It was brutal. Like, it was the fans. It was, and you know, everybody loved them, even guys who played against them. You know, and, and our, our whole team was from Montreal, or sorry, Edmonton. You look at that, 94, 94. 93, 94, 94, 95. Those, those group of Tri-City Americans, look at how many were from Edmonton. Like, way more than half the team. And, uh, you know, and in the community, he was that guy. So, if you played against him, he shook the reps' hands after every game. I learned that from him. Like, little things. Like, I mean, I only knew this guy a little bit. I only played with him a few games, really, and, and camps. Uh, but, I, you really, I still, there's still, like... He still affects my life in a big way. It's why, and I, not only mine, I say that, but anybody that met him, anybody, I know there's people listening to this because he was from Amanda. I definitely, they, I know they'll say the same thing. Like his presence has still felt this 30 years later. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I look at, yeah, it's, it's amazing how some people can have a presence like that. And so for you, that was, a, it, we talk about some people are superstitious and that's not a superstition, but to get yourself ready for the game every time, that was your way to do it, right? You talk to those yeah. guys and that was your way to be like, okay, now I'm ready. It started with Todd. That was my way to deal with Todd at 16. And then, you know, BJ Young passed away, Jonathan DeLille. Mike Collins, all real good friends of mine, and I got that tattoo on my back. And since in just the past few years, Greg Bird, Doug Smith, old school hockey fans will know him. And a guy named Todd Gillingham passed away about a year ago. And, uh, you know, those guys just, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to disrespect anybody else that's fallen on hard times. There's been lots of them. Um, but those guys just, you know, for one reason or another meant a whole lot to me. They were just real good friends. They were all roommates at some point. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so things like that, you know, and just some some people, you, I, I, I feel like Todd can hear me. And again, I'm not religious. I don't know. It just feels like karma or something. I, maybe it's me dealing with all that. But whatever it is, it works and uh, can't be a bad thing to spread the love, you know. No, not at all. Uh, it's uh, Ryan's Rand brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, a few other quick ones, uh, T.R., in, in regards, now, Zach Kyman's had a lot of goals called off, but that was probably the easiest one to, to call off uh, when you saw with the offside. He had, you know, he's clearly in the zone. His feet were in the zone when he touched the puck. Uh, he hadn't cleared the zone uh, at that point. But, you know, the goal he scored, TR, like, honestly, like, regarding, because even if he stays on side and waits, whatever, but the fact that he comes down that side, cuts to the net, and then roosts it from that angle, like, I've really seen like an evolution and growth in his game. He's in his guy who's 30 years of age. Like that goal he scored to come in that far, cut that sharp, and then roof it is so hard to do. And I've never seen him do it before. I know. Um, see, this is the thing with, for me, I, I don't want to say I expect this, but I, I don't know. Do you remember hearing about Zach Hyman when he was younger? See, I heard about him when he was younger in, in Toronto, like greater Toronto area. That's where he's from, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I remember hearing about him like, when he was like 12 or 13. So he must have been some kind of standout. I mean, I didn't know much, but I knew his name. Yeah, but he so, was like, a, like he was a fifth round selection. If you look at his numbers in junior, like his last year in the, because he never, he never played uh, major junior, right? So in the OJHL, like his last year, he really exploded at 102 points, 42 goals in 43 games. 
Yeah. But then even if you look at his first two years in Michigan, now I know they're a good team, but, you know, he had nine points in 41 games, nine points in 38 games, then 17, 35. And then his fourth year, he blossomed out and had 54. Right. And then so, um, you know, his first year with the Marlies, he played uh, 59 games, 37 points, pretty good numbers in the American League for a rookie. And uh, and then has been in the NHL ever since. So he, he was a good player. But I talked to Zach and he said, you know what? I was never really like, you know, rarely was I the best guy in my team growing up. His words, not mine. Right. Uh, he, oh, wow. Yeah. He said he was like a good player, but he just he was really just a relentless hard worker. And he, he really believe he's a very smart guy. And I've had a really good conversation with him, and he's like, hey, you know what? Like, Just because I'm in the NHL, like, he studies a lot of ways to become a better goal scorer. He's like, I know what my my bread and butter is. I score from from around the net. But there's there's more ways to score from around the net rather than just stand in front of the net, right? And so, but that play, like his, I think his skating at times is underrated of how good of a skater he is. Yeah, and he's he's. It's definitely when it comes to power because he, yes. he goes from the corner to the front of the net. Um, yeah, that's definitely underrated. Uh, you know what? So, but though that that's interesting. So maybe I just heard about him for, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was a good player on a on a on a great team or something. But I remember hearing his name. But here's the thing, with the stats you mentioned to me, that sounds like a guy who really it's there. But he gets he he he, when he gets some confidence, he turns it on. Fifty four points in college is a lot. Right. Yes. Go oh. nine. Yeah. Even even though I I get it, you're a rookie and everything, but yeah. you know, all in the second you so and what's happened since you've seen him? I mean, you can see his growth in in Toronto, in Edmonton. You can really see him evolve. And I know he's playing with good players, great, good, good, good. Yeah, they're good um, with great players. But um, he's still like like you said. Look at that goal. Like a lot of these goals, he's. You know, someone might have to get it to him, but it's not backdoor empty nets. Yeah. Right. He's 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 really making the goals himself he's with his hard work with his nose for the net now he's starting to stick handle you know make some moves i yeah i think i mean i was i don't know i was never surprised i thought he'd get 40 45 last year i think it's just looking at a guy that wants to pay the price that is, that is a skill player that has people giving it to him so what you're saying is is, is I, what what surprises me more is his earlier stats i thought they would be a lot higher than that and uh, go figure. People improve. So if you're a young player out there, look what can happen. You guys, radio can be very uh, powerful. Uh, I'm English and I know little of Terry Ryan, but I love listening to him from uh, Tony M. Well, there you go, uh, TR. Good uh, good fan of Tony, who's, uh, who's English. I, no, no, I don't want to do an English accent because it's terrible, but I do love the Brits accent, I have to say, man. Like, uh, I love it. Uh, it's just like a really good Irish one. It's like I want to, I just, cause I remember when I went to a Heathrow's Heat and we were in a pub and I was talking to the guys, like just absolute beauties. I just, I love the accent. And they just, they, they have different lingo, right? It's, it's no different than newbies, yeah. right? They just, it's just the difference is that I like. It's a, it's quite fun. So, uh, it, Tony's a big fan. It's really funny that you're saying this on this day. I swear to you. Now, I'm not saying this to be pretentious as an actor. And, you know, months go by that I don't even get get a gig. And, and that's the case now. But I got to get uh, today. A guy, get, he said, I'm going to send you a script. I, it, I'm writing this and I got you in mind. So he goes, I want you to audition. There's a few people, but you're the you're the leader right now. I, I'm, I'm doing this for you. So I'm like, OK, and it's a buddy of mine. So he goes, I just need an English accent. So I said, what? He goes, I got a voice or, or a, a, an accent coach if you want to use her. And I'm like, sure. So I'm going to try to learn. I mean, you're going to try to learn in English because you can well, obviously you can do you can do the different Newfie ones pretty easily, right? 
Yeah, I can do those. And like, uh, I, but Irish English, I could try them. I don't want to embarrass myself here now. I, I earlier I was in the bathroom looking in the mirror, which one I do? Well, any mirror. But well, why don't why don't we do like what's your English accent today? So then we can see the evolution. What well, would what it be today? To uh, give us um, like give us as an English update on Connor McDavid's game. Like, how would you describe Connor McDavid's game in an, as an English as a Brit? The things that you like about his game, or you know, like if you were, if you had to describe him to people that had never seen him play, what would you say in like you know fifteen seconds? That's all we need of, a, of an English accent in fifteen seconds. Yeah, don't worry about it. it doesn't it? Doesn't I know you're an actor now? Did, have, doesn't no, I, I don't know. I because you know why? The only reason I don't want to do it, I think I could do it because I, I, I people are going to snip it up and it's going to be a meme or something, and I don't want to do that. I'm not going to – sorry, I'll, I'll maybe next time I'll practice it or something, but I don't feel confident with it being recorded and being on the spot. But anyway, I'm going to, uh, you know, learn. and I think and, – and anybody can repeat something that someone else says. Yes. So really, you know, it depends on the role. If it's – if I've got to – you know, if it's three lines yeah. or something, I mean, okay, I'll memorize them. If it's two lines per day for six days, okay, it's nice to have a Brit on set with me. Now, just you say it and I'll say it, okay? Like, but I still will use the coach and everything for the future. Oh. And yeah, I mean, I live in Newfoundland, so I think I could try it out. But in my head, I was just doing Australia, and I, I'll have to think about it. Yeah, but no. you know, it's an exciting opportunity. Oh, I love, I love different accents, and I'm sure you know. I, hey, I've been places where people think, "Hey, you got an accent because you're from Canada," so it's always, uh, it's unique. Uh, Tr, thanks for uh, stopping in, uh, and uh, good luck with the uh, the new edition. And uh, we will chat with you on Monday. Thanks very much. Can't wait to see you guys. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Edmonton. See you soon. That's uh, Terry Ryan. Uh, had, uh, some other stuff to do today, so I came on a little bit earlier. Uh, we'll return. Uh, Livingston is here. We got uh, lots more on the Seattle Kraken coming up. Well, we got the update on all the injuries in uh, Vegas. We do know. Uh, good and bad news. Uh, well, I guess probably good news for the orders. Uh, Vince Dunn will not play tonight for the Seattle Kraken. He got injured in their game against Columbus, and he's missed two, and he's not going to play tonight. But Sam Gagne will be back in the lineup for the Edmonton Oilers Now, Adam Ernie's scheduled to come out. However, he's going to take warm-up, and uh, Evander Kane is like a game-time decision. So it's either going to be Ernie or Kane in the uh, lineup tonight. But Sam Gagne will play for the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll return to the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 347, welcome back. Game day on Sports 1440. Orders taking on the Seattle Kraken, looking for their 12th consecutive victory. Of course, it's already a franchise uh, record at 11. Was it 10? So now they're looking to extend it. That could go for Lucky 13 Saturday night in Calgary. We would just add a little juice to the Battle of Alberta. It would be great. Uh, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. You can always text us 833-401-1440. 833-401-1440 in our Ewell inbox. We got a lot of text to get to, but uh, we're going to speed things up now in the uh, racing report brought to you by Can Torque. And uh, it is new, it is improved, uh, better navigation, better product information. It's like a car, but it's the website, cantorque.com. Uh, for all, uh, hey, if you want a good car, you need a good website. Works together hand in hand. And uh, also, you can uh, watch every episode of the racing report right there as well as Colin Livingston joins us uh, in studio. Man of his word as. Um, uh, today is a, is a week uh, that uh, Robin Brownlee passed away uh, unexpectedly, and uh, I know Colin, uh, you were sick last week. But uh, you, what? Tell us what, what did you bring in? Where cheer is uh, Brownlee? What is this? 
Uh, this is... I know I bought it, but I can't remember what it is. Well, I bought it for you for your birthday. I was going to give credit, but uh, yeah, this was uh, this was a suggestion. Uh, this is the Don Julio 70. Um, it's, I will say this. I'm not, a, I'm not a Don Julio fan, but the 70, there's a story behind this too, okay. because... Um, when we were in, in Mexico a uh, year and a half ago uh, during the F1 race, um, we had, you know, uh, thanks to um, Michelle Jourdain, we got access to uh, one of the suites. So as we were in, um, you know, when we weren't on track, we were in there. This is what they were serving. And I, I'm a tequila person. Like, okay. you know, I drink vodka, I drink tequila. Um, I just asked for, for a shot and, uh, this is what they poured. I didn't see the bottle though. So I, I take a little sip and, you know, proper tequila is not, you yeah. know, shooter tequila. You sip it. Um, so we, we got a little taste of this. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, uh, I think I sat up there with Oriel Servia for about, I don't know, three hours putting, putting tequila away, watching, uh, Formula One practice and then some of the other support series. And then because of, you know, my association with Alex and, and that legends group, we had an assistant named uh, Yamili and she would kind of run all over Hell's Half Acre. I said, hey, is it possible? Is there a liquor store? Because you can't just go anywhere in Mexico. You have to know the right ones to go to. And so she sent her people out, got us two bottles of this. So we had one bottle in the in the pit that night. And by the end of the night, the bottle was gone uh, between me and one of the mechanics. Um, you know, he just loved it. So we were, we were working on the car. There was a lot of damage that the other driver caused. So we were sitting there fixing body work and doing setup stuff and just kind of sipping away before we knew it. The, the first bottle was, was gone and we had to nip into the second one. So hopefully you like it. Oh, but yeah, I just took a sip of it. This is unbelievable. Even Bronte would, uh, would enjoy this. So in honor of, uh, Bronte today, uh, I'll try the, uh, Don Julio 70. And I will say, oof, that is very, like, there is no aftertaste. It is smooth. Real smooth. Now, um, it's never smooth in F1 when it comes to, you know, not every negotiation. Now, the negotiations get really public. I, I'll, I will say this. And, you know, what? There, there is drama. It's a little bit of a soap opera, and I think the racing fans love it. That's what's good about it. But the news is that Ferrari's looking at Pierre Gasly for 2025 because um, – Carlos signs. Uh, he was looking at a two year extension, but uh, they only want to give him a one year extension. And so that could lead to him uh, potentially being out Gasly. Uh, there's Alex Albon, uh, potentially as well. You've seen this before. Is this just like the public posturing or do you think that we might actually see a, a split between Ferrari and signs at the end of, uh, next, next year? These, or this year, I guess. Yeah. These, um, these posturing gestures are, you know, partially for show, but partially for effect, because what it does. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, they're obviously trying to sign, uh, sign signs for a single season. He wants a multi-year deal. Yeah. But the idea that Ferrari's coming at is like, listen, there's you know, we'll sign you for one, but we know who's going to be available, you know, at the end of um, 2024. Um, he's saying he doesn't want to do that. So, you know, they might give him that 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 little deal. But, um, yeah, there's so many good drivers coming up and, and Ferrari and, and all these teams are, you know, they don't judge the drivers based on what their finishing position is. They weigh the strength of the car and know, you know, a guy like Pierre Gasly, if you put him in better equipment than what he's in now at Alpine, he's going to move up the grid. If you put, you know, like when Charles Leclerc moved from Alfa Romeo to Ferrari, all of a sudden he was challenging for poles. He was, you know, winning races. You know, he didn't suddenly become a better driver, but he was able to showcase more of what he's got. Okay. And if, um, you know, if, if you know, science still makes a lot of mistakes and he did, you know, I think last year was probably his best year with Ferrari, but he's caused a lot of damage, you know, um, you know, overdriven in a lot of cases. So I think Ferrari's kind of saying like, listen, you're not in as strong a position as what you maybe feel. And they're basically laying it down saying, like, you're going to kind of take this or we're going to go to the open market. And if they, you know, they bring somebody like Gasly in, like Alex Albon and pair him up with Leclerc, that's going to be a pretty dynamic duo. Now, uh, Total Wolf extends his contract as a team principal until 2026. And um, uh, Anthony Davidson, who is the uh, the test driver for uh, Mercedes, was raving about it. Now. You follow way close when guys rave. Is this is this normal? Um, you know, I think his exact quote was, "A car feels like a car for the first time in two years." Yeah. End quote. The, what do you think? What do you take away from this? The the, the 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 stories that are coming out from Mercedes are very encouraging. They've struggled. I mean, it's it's no no secret that when this new generation of car came out with the under tray, they went completely the wrong direction and they've been kind of stuck chasing their tail. They abandoned their original uh, concept early into the season last year, but they were stuck with the chassis. And, and there's a bunch of stuff that that resulted. They call their rear end evil. They call it diabolical because it huh. doesn't comply. They the the seating position for the driver is too far forward. So it makes the driver feel like they're on the front axle, which doesn't give them a great sensation in the car. What they're saying now is most of the major um, issues that have plagued them the last couple of years seem to be gone. So at the very least, their platform is going to be a lot more stable. Um, but the fact that um, you know, Anthony Davidson has been a test driver. Like he's a former F1 driver. He's he's not like a computer game 
you know, aficionado. He's a real race car driver. Um, he's been very instrumental in helping develop these cars. And, and the fact that he's saying it feels like a, a, a car again means that when they do, when they make an adjustment, the car's supposed to respond in a particular way. And this last generation, they've had such a hard time getting it to where it was moderately hmm. drivable. Um, so at the very least, you know, they're, they're going to be hopefully a little bit more consistent, hopefully a little bit more competitive. But you just don't know, like Red Bull's already talking about, they stopped developing their 2024 car already because they're so confident in what's going on. They're already starting working on their 2025 car. No. So, so if they're ahead of the game, it's hard to play catch up then, right? Yeah, you if just never they're... you never know how much ground the competitors are going to make up to see where, where it is. I mean, there were some close races towards the end of the year, so the, I don't think the gaps are going to be as big. Hopefully we see a little bit more parity, though. Now, speaking of Red Bull, so, you know, you got AlphaTauri and uh, Red Bull owns them and whatever they're going to be called, the Visa Cash App Racing Bulls, whatever their name is going to be. Anyway, they're out there and they're the ones that I find this, they're complaining a lot about Andretti and Cadillac. Oh, we don't want them. We don't want them. They're the only team that, that first of all, has two, basically four cars. Yep. Right. Four out of 20 as it currently stands. And they're the ones complaining. Why? Like, uh, why are they so insecure here? Shouldn't they want another car to come in like especially the, and why are they allowed when no one else is allowed to have two sets of cars they got their second team at a time where there was you know the the demand to be in the sport wasn't near what it is now they've got an unfair advantage they've got an advantage that no other team has 100 percent. because they know, can try some things on alpha Tauri that don't work and be like well who cares this is like our b-level team yeah they can they can run simulations they can get you know double the data that any other team can get they can spread their costs over you know double the you know double the amount of cars that anyone has so their their spend advantage is so much better and and in this cost cap era you're not allowed to do an awful lot. So the no. fact that they can spread all their expenses over those two teams, and now this year they're talking about moving the Alpha Tauri team, which is going to have an like I don't know what's going on in the marketing department of these. The, the, these are these are billion dollar companies coming up with the worst names. Like if if the proposed change of Visa Cash App Racing Bulls F1 team powered by Red Bull Long whatever. You know, if that actually plays, like, I don't know. But the fact, again, they they really enjoy having that unfair advantage to the point that they're trying to, you know, prevent, you know, a team like Andretti from entering the series. It sounds like there might be more opportunity. Uh, more teams are getting behind the Andretti bid. Haas seems to potentially be with with the removal of Gunther Steiner um they might be restructuring their their uh group so that they're being more positioned for a sale um but yeah i guess we'll just see i mean the we're only you know we're really only about a month away less than a yeah, month away a from month when away. the the cars are going to be released you know McLaren released their livery they didn't release their car it, it, we're starting to get the dribbles um, of, of what's going to come out this year. The uh, W Series, which was the all-female racing series, uh, ceased operations at the end of 2022, and they thought they were going to be able to uh, resurrect it. It didn't happen. So now they're uh, they're having a big online auction that uh, started yesterday. It goes till the end of the month. Yep. Uh, for any racing aficionados, 
Um, some some interesting things that you might want to bid on. There's there's a handful of cars. There's lots of transportation gear. There's spare parts. There's you know some show cars available. Um, it's just sad because you know first of all it's sad that there there needs to be a dedicated series for female drivers just to give them an opportunity. I mean, you know, I've said for years, you know, on, on the show here and, and the, at the racetrack, you know, women deserve every opportunity to race. And, you know, really the true test is just having them in the same cars as, as male drivers to show what they can do. But it's sad that that series, you know, obviously there's going to be no resurrecting it now that they're, you know, what they call an administration is the European term. They're, they're bankrupt and they're basically liquidating their assets. There's the F1 Academy now, but the difference between the two was that the W Series was free to enter for drivers. They were able to just get there. The cars were provided for them. They still had to, you know, raise sponsorship to cover expenses. But now the new uh, F1 Academy, you have to bring cash to the to the table, um, but it's underwritten by Formula One. So maybe there's a little bit more opportunity. But, you know, really, uh, we, we won't, you know, the, 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 the parity won't start to show until women are able to, to get into an F3 car, an F2 car, and eventually an F1 car and, and just run, you know, uh, toe-to-toe with the men. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's still many years in the, in, in the future. Colin, great stuff, man. We appreciate it. Uh, getting closer, uh, the unveiling, and then everything gets uh, raring to go into February. And Amar, we'll talk, talk a little uh, NASCAR, some IndyCar uh, the next week, see uh, what's changing, what's new on the horizons there. So it uh, it should be good in the upcoming kart series as well. Appreciate your time. Always. That's uh, Colin Livingston. And the Racing Report brought to you by Can Torque. Check it out, the uh, brand new website, cantorque.com. Like a car, newly renovated. Will it be better than the 2023 model? Yes. Yes, it will at cantorque.com. Coming up, uh, Connor Halley, Sports 1440 update. Uh, Georges Larocque will join us uh, on the other side. Uh, also, uh, we'll hear from uh, John Forzen about the Seattle Kraken. No Vince Dunn tonight uh, for them. Uh, Burakovsky might be back in. He's going to be a game-time decision, similar to Evander Kane, order fans. Uh, we know Gagne's in, and uh, Ernie's going to take the warm-up. And uh, if Kane can't go, then Ernie will draw into the uh, lineup. So we'll see how it goes. Let's get to the comment. Sports update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Yeah, you got to have your uh, winter tires on now, especially, man. It's like a skating rink all over the place. But don't forget, they got way more options, and all the uh, high-level mechanics can help you get your vehicle on the road or, more importantly, back on the road. FountainTire.com.